So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection Now with your hosts, Jean Victoria Norlock and Rick O'Shields, bringing your inner life to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of Everyday Connection Now. I am yet again Rico Shields, and not nearly as far to my north as the last show, Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean? Hey, I'm good, Rick. Welcome back to America. Oh, wait, you were in America before. Yes, yes. <laughs> I just had to throw that in there one last time for all our um, Costa Rican friends who get really just fed up with um, people from the U.S. going there and saying, I'm American. (laughs) Yeah, they're American too. Um, But welcome back to the States, I guess, for you. That's exciting. Yeah. It's uh, it's certainly quite the contrast this time, not even, you know, just the lifestyle, but it's cold up here. Really? Yeah. Really? You're going to go there? But look. Really, really. But look, it, it would be like going from here to Canada. That would also be a stark contrast in temperature. But right. Well, why don't you try that and then get back to me? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. It, it it is a okay, sharp I contrast feel, compared to the weather sure in Costa Rica. I'm sure it is, it it is. and I, I will feel a little sorry for you. Although um, I would I would still you know say you're probably in a little bit of a better position than I am at the moment because you don't have snow and your water outside isn't freezing but that's okay um I'm sure it is quite the contrast but I'm sure the contrast is more in in the energy than anything else I mean you're in the city now boo boo how's that feel after I I had to go see a banker today on the 34th floor of a building oh and I don't think they have any that tall, at least not that I saw in Costa Rica. Maybe in San Jose, yeah. but not that I saw. And uh, weird. And then I was in a, a conference room that one one whole wall was windows. I could see downtown Houston in the distance, and it was really quite something. I was just she she went away to make co- make copies or do something, and I I just stood there looking out the window like, whoa, what is all that? <clears throat> I think it would take me back to when I was like a little kid and every once in a while my dad would take me to the city and I would just, I always would bug him to get us to drive into the city at night. Like, can we get there at Mm. nighttime, daddy? Because something about the city lights when I was young, I was just mesmerized by that whole view of it coming in from living in the country and growing up in the bush. Um, so it was really, I, I bet you kind of had that same feeling today because you've, 
had so long away from it that it must have been the same thing. I, I can't say as I would miss it now, but, you know, I mean, maybe I'll get to the point where it's fascinating again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I find myself finding the, the upsides of both, so that's a new new experience for me, but a wonderful one. Very cool. Only seeing the upsides Um, and the, you know, instead of the, oh man, I miss. It's not. I don't have to miss it. It's down there. I can go again, and will most likely. Go anytime you want. Absolutely, absolutely. But there's so much more of the world left to explore, though. You see, so that's the thing. Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to Phoenix, and um, uh, if if that's if that's still where next, everybody's like, so you're moving to Phoenix? I said, yeah, I think so. And they're like, what? You think so? <laughs> you have a deposit on a condo. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> and Rick's world, it could change in a blink of an eye. Yes. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But speaking of phoenixes, we have one with us tonight. We do. And uh, We do. So we will not banter much. There's, I haven't had time in two days to look at the news, hardly to see what's banterable. Well, I mean, our buddy's well, the man of the year, but... Yeah, I think that's really the only that's, thing worth mentioning person right at the, of the moment. Year, pardon me. Um, but per, person of the year, Pope Francis. Yeah, that's exciting. Yay! It means we're not the only ones seeing that he's trying to, you know. That he's really cool. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm I'm really happy cool. that. Um, and I wish him great just because success. Because at the beginning, uh, uh, me too. Just because at the beginning there was so much doubt and so much you know he hasn't proved himself yet and he's so it's just just for show and it's just the catholic church trying to run a a publicity you know make friends with the people campaign and um you know i just kept watching what he was doing and thinking no this guy's for real like his, his he's got a long history of just being a really genuinely good human being and who better to be pope really ultimately than just a good old boy. That's who you want to see in the papal right. office. I'm sorry, but um, that's just the way it is, you know. And so I've been watching, and I'm really, really happy that he's gotten the recognition that he's gotten because he has, yes, there's things that he hasn't, he, he's very bluntly stated it's not going to change. But, I mean, it's that trim tab idea with the ship. This is a massive ship you're trying to turn. Right, yeah. You don't do that <laughs> yeah. in weeks. It's not going to turn on a dime, and it's certainly not going to happen in, in a, the blink of an eye. So I think he's done, so far, an absolutely wonderful job. And um, I'm glad to see that he's getting the support that he's getting from the public because that's going to help him to take it even further. Because there's still a lot yet to be done within the institution. And one of the things we are always fond of at Everyday Connection is, you know, people that shake up the way things have, quote, always been done, quote. We don't. Love that. Who cares? Love that. And which is a great segue for our (laughs) guest tonight. Um, We have a guest tonight that's interested in sort of changing the way it's, well, it's always been, we always did that. And... um, and that's exciting. So um, uh, I say we just get move right on with the with the show. Yes. And and go. We have with us tonight, EC fans, um, somebody that's going to come talk about just one little pill. 
she's an actress and an author and um, all-around cool human being. Claudia Christian. Hey, Claudia, how are you? Thank you for that cool human being introduction. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, we try. I think we think so. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing wonderful. It's nice here in Southern California, and um, I'm excited to uh, spread the word a little bit more. I'm excited. I'm excited about what you're spreading the word about. Um, and be- before we get to it, I guess I have to ask the big question of the night. It's our world famous question, the easy question. If you're ready, sure. I don't know. It's a what? hard one. What is it? <laughs> who, who on earth are you and what do you do? Who on earth am I and what do I do? That's very funny. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. Um, I am uh, Claudia Christian and I've, I've, uh, I'm celebrating my 30th year as an actress this year um, in television and film. But I've found my calling in life uh, through a series of, of rather painful exercises, which was my own attempt to control my drinking um, in my late 30s. And by attempting to use and try every traditional treatment that was available uh, for me at the time, um, I ended up getting worse and worse and worse. Um, in 2009, I ended up in a detox center and found uh, a little flyer for something called Vivitrol. And when I Googled it, I found a book called The Cure for Alcoholism by Dr. Roy Escapa. And it talked about something called the Sinclair Method. So ever since then, since I found it and it worked for me uh, incredibly successfully, I have been putting people on it, counseling them. I started a nonprofit called the C3 Foundation, and I'm currently making a movie about the Sinclair method called One Little Pill. And I've found that um, this really is my the excitement of my life. It's far more fulfilling than my acting career. It's more fulfilling than I think anything I've ever done in my life. I was obviously somewhat surprised to find out that hardly anybody knows about this treatment because it has such an amazing long-term success rate, upwards of 80%, um, which is, is far more uh, impressive than most traditional treatments like rehab or, or meetings or anything like that. So I yeah, think... Uh, nobody's doing that, really. Uh, nobody's doing what? 80%. Doing that kind of percentage. No, 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 no. It's, it's, uh, th- and that's, uh, that's long-term success rate, meaning they check back up uh, after a few years on all these people. Um, I myself am going into year five on it, and uh, every person I've put on it has been successful uh, in either reducing drastically their drinking or quitting drinking altogether. About 40% of the people who go on the Sinclair Method become abstinent, 100% abstinent. The rest of them um, can drink normally, drink uh, in a safe, safe ways, in moderation. As a matter of fact, in, in Europe, the EU approved the use of Selinkro with, with drinking, and Selinkro is nalmathine, which is the same as naltrexone, only one is processed through the liver and one is not. Um, both of these sister drugs and also naloxone are opiate blockers. And basically what, what it does is it, it makes your brain unlearn the behavior of alcoholism. So if you do believe that alcoholism is a learned behavior, which I do because your brain actually does change from a regular drinker to an addict and somebody who becomes compulsive about it, an opiate blocker will block those endorphins that are released when an alcoholic drinks alcohol. And over time, 
the neural pathways will not be stimulated anymore uh, as much, and they will reduce in size. So an addict has sort of a neural pathways that are like a, a super freeway, whereas a regular person has neural pathways that are like a little country road. So what this does is it reverts the brain back to its pre-alcoholic state. So it's, it's science and, it's, and it works. And I come from a family of scientists, doctors, and genetic engineers. And I really, really wanted to find something that, that made sense to me. And I understand Pavlovian uh, science. I understand um, that the brain does have the ability to unlearn a behavior as well as learn a behavior. And what interested me was, was that this also works on things, uh, other compulsions, such, such as gambling and um, kleptomania and sex addiction and a lot, of, a lot of these things that become compulsions for people. And as a matter of fact, naltrexone is being used in treating uh, soldiers that are suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder and alcoholism at the same time. So you can actually treat both. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, once you start looking at, extinction. It's called pharmacological extinction. And once you really start looking into the science of it, it just makes sense. It just makes a lot of sense. And for me, you know, I tried AA, I tried rehab, I tried hypnotism, I tried um, diet therapy, vitamin therapy, I tried, uh, oh, you name it. I mean, I, I, I literally, I tried, I tried just about anything that was available to, to, um, to stop being a binge drinker. And this was the only thing that worked for me. And it seems to be the only thing that's worked for the people that I, I encounter. You know, these are people that have tried everything and nothing worked for them. And um, it's really remarkable. And also in Scotland, they just, uh, they, they're offering it through the NHS. So uh, you, you're in Canada, correct? So you have socialized medicine as well, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so the NHS is actually offering it so people can get their medication for free, and they are once again encouraging people to use this to control their drinking and to stop binge drinking, which is a massive problem in the UK. I'm sure you know that. Um, yeah, I, I do actually. I I married an Englishman. Oh, okay. Um, so yes, I I know all about that. I yeah, I have so many questions though, yeah, Claudia, because you go ahead. Oh, well, I, I, first of all, I have to I have to take a moment first of all to commend you on the courage and the bravery bravery that it takes, not just to beat an addiction, but to do it so openly and in the public eye. Um, realizing that that your history being what it is and your career being what it is, this is not something that you did behind closed doors. You brought this out into the open and said, this was my problem, this is how I solved it, and you're talking about it openly. So thank you for that, because there's still so many closet addicts out there right. that are really scared of, of the societal judgment That's because of them coming still, out. Yeah, we still make alcoholics and addicts in general feel like it's a moral issue, and it's not. It's a physiological right. problem. You have the genetic predisposition to become an alcoholic, and then you drink and that's what makes you an alcoholic. And once you take away the stigma of it, and I felt, you know, I was 46 when I wrote my, my memoir, Babylon Confidential. And the reason why I wrote it at that young, you know, pretty much young age was because I wanted to talk about my alcoholism and I wanted to get it out in the open. And also I wanted to educate people about this miraculous treatment that worked for me. And in doing that, you, you know, it's, it's actually quite freeing. It's not as you know, at first I was embarrassed because I'm a very, you know, all of the things that you think like pride and all of that, they really get in the way because 
the embarrassment that I thought I would feel or the feeling weak or anything like that, I actually have felt so strong because, first of all, my fan base is unbelievably loyal and they've been so supportive. Nobody's judged me. Nobody's called me names. Nobody's, I don't think I've lost any work as an actress. I mean, it's really been remarkable. And it's opened the door for so many people to say, oh, my, my father's an alcoholic or my boyfriend's an alcoholic, my mother, you know, and so I end up meeting more people and reaching more people than I ever would have if I would have stayed quiet about this. But the beautiful thing about the Sinclair Method is if you are in a, a situation where you do have to remain private about your alcohol problem, you can do this in the safety of, in, and privacy of your own home. And you don't have to leave work and go to rehab, expensive rehab for mm -hmm. 30, 60 days, whatever. You can actually detox and stop drinking on the Sinclair Method just privately in your own home. You can even order the the medication online. In fact, there's a Canadian pharmacy called uh, River Pharmacy online, and they supply naltrexone to the world. Um, you know, and so, so this can be a very private thing if that's your choice. Like a lot of people tell me, they can't tell their insurance company because of their job, or they don't they're, they don't want to risk losing their job. And this is the perfect way to deal with that. You don't have to go to your doctor and say I, it's a pre-existing condition. A lot of people are worried about health insurance, this kind of thing. So you can actually. Deal with. I tell people I was cured for for less than fifty dollars, and it's true. I got a prescription for naltrexone, and I bought the book, a used copy of the Cure for Alcoholism on Amazon, and that was it. I was done. And so it's inexpensive and it's it's private. But getting back to what you said, um, you know, coming out of the closet, so to speak, is actually very liberating. It's it feels amazing. Well, I'm, I'm, I just I have to bring it up because it's one of the things that we talk about on the show so often. I come from I come from an alcoholic um, home, and I struggled with alcoholism in my early teens. I, I think I was you know 16 years old. I could put away a two four and still walk home. It wasn't an issue for me, and. Um, I, I've struggled with opiate addiction because my mom, bless her soul and rest her spirit, uh, she decided at a young age that instead of giving me Tylenol for cramps, she would give me um, perks because oh. she, she took some very heavy medication. So by the time I was 15, I was already addicted to opiates. Oh, my so, and that. And then it broke my back later in life. And, of course, what do they give you when you break your back? They give you morphine. So there, the opiate addiction came back with a vengeance. And, you know, so that's been a lifelong war for me. And we make a policy on this show to talk very openly about these issues because there are people out there who are going through this so in such a way, so privately. They're so scared. They're so intimidated. And I think it's really healing for people to understand that be it, the the famous actress or or in my case the author who writes about spirituality we all have our stuff and if we could just openly admit that that we're perfectly imperfect um and just talk freely about these issues then it can encourage other people to to come out of their shell and actually ask for the help that they need as opposed to to hiding behind this wall of of fear well, because yeah, it's it's one of those things yeah I mean, that, that's the whole point of, of, of taking that chance and you talking about opiate addiction and me talking about alcoholism is that somebody out there needs, needs to hear that and they need to also feel comfortable enough to ask for help and to open up. And that's, that's, the more we talk about it, the less 
it's going to be any sort of stigma or moral issue. It's just going to be, you know, this person is manic depressive, that one's an alcoholic. It's not going to, you know, remember mental illness used to be a huge stigma and now everybody's on Prozac. Totally. Uh, you know, and, and, and yeah. nobody would ever admit that they had melancholy or they were vaguely depressed. People never admitted that. Now everybody's going to their doctor, doctor and saying, where's my Lexapro, you know. Um, so so I think that that eventually, you know, hopefully within the next decade or so, we'll get that way with um, with chemical addiction as well. I mean, it's all, it's already happening for people with food addictions. Bulimics and, and anorexics are getting a lot more help now because it's a more open conversation. People are talking about it. And it needs to be, and that, but that brings me to my next question. Would this medication work for an opiate addiction? Well, it does. Because that's something that I'm... It, 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 naltrexone does, but you have to be clean. That's the thing. Because if you have a lot of opiates in your system and you take a naltrexone, it's going to put you into detox. So if you are an addict, for instance, I had a guy that was a morphine addict, and he said that he, was, he, was, that he had nothing in his system. But he took a tiny bit of naltrexone and he had to be hospitalized because he went into full-blown detox. Remember, they use opiate blockers like naloxone to bring heroin addicts out of overdose. So you have to be very careful. So if somebody, but in saying that, if you, let's say you have an addiction and you don't want to get re-addicted, what you would do is take a naltrexone prior to taking an opiate. And you wouldn't get re-addicted. But, uh, but no, I, I do not suggest to anybody, I always, always have to check with people if they have opiates in their system before they take a naltrexone. That's, that's uh, luckily not been um, much of an issue. So it, and it's... I, well, I had to ask because detox sucks. And having fractured my spine, I do occasionally have times where my pain does come back. And although I use as many natural methods for pain control as I possibly can find, including diet, exercise, rest, um, you know, all of those things combined. There are still days where I want to reach for the Tylenol with codeine, but when I do that, that means that there's three days of detox coming because even two or three days of taking Tylenol with codeine at this point in my life means three days, three to five days of, of seriously not feeling well detox once I stop taking the pills. So that's, that's why I'm asking because my options as somebody who's addicted to opiates for pain relief are very limited unless I want to get re-addicted. I, I have, and that's kind of scary for me because what, what do you do if you I can't have, take opiates for pain relief, right? Yeah, I have a family member who is in chronic pain and... Uh, uh, dealing with the same thing. It's very difficult. Um, you know, it's it's just uh, there are ways around it, but the bottom line is, yeah, I mean, if, if you have a tendency to to become addicted to opiates, it's just something to, to utterly do, uh, avoid it with all your power. And, you know, it's it's amazing that I was talking to a friend of mine who couldn't get a prescription for naltrexone, which is a, is a declassified, non-addictive, opiate blocker. It's a very, you know, it's a very low grade prescription drug. And I mean, it really, it, it, it's actually available over the counter in certain countries. That's how innocuous it is. Nobody's ever OD'd on it or died from it or anything like that. And it's ridiculous that you have to have a prescription to get it. But they were talking about how their doctor wouldn't give them that, yet the doctor would give them Oxycontin. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, that makes no sense whatsoever. You say that you have a backache and your doctor will give you uh, Percocets or or any, any right. highly, highly addictive opiate. But these same people were having difficulty getting an opiate blocker that could potentially save their lives. 
which sounds insane to me. It is. It sounds absolutely insane. Um, my mother died in her, I think it was right before her 50th or just after her 50th birthday because of years of prescription pill abuse mixed oh. with alcoholism. And so, well, that's but that's why I wanted to get you on the show. I mean, Rick did die because did of alcoholism. Die. I'm gonna I'm, we'll I'm gonna let him talk to you about that in a minute. Um, but both my parents died because of substance abuse. Wow. They died at a very early age. So I wanted to get you on here to talk because if there is a cure, I mean, if I had been able, and along with all the emotional crap that goes up goes along with living in a home full oh, of alcoholics. This is a, um, that's why I do know, this. If I could have saved my mom's life by giving her a pill, I mean, come on. That's like, that's a gift from heaven to me. Well, you hear, know what I mean? So if that's... Yeah, I hear from kids all the time that say it's the first time that they've actually known their parents sober, you know, they, they, once they got on the Sinclair Method. It is... It's a, it's incredibly inexpensive. It's very safe, and it works for the majority of people. There's a very very small percentage of people that are genetically, uh, they they're they're not uh, genetically able to react to naltrexone, but that's a tiny 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 percentage of the population. So when you're looking at something that is is this successful and this works so well, you have to ask yourself, well, why don't I know about it? And by the way, I think one of the turnoffs to people was the word cure. The way I look at it is as long as you're on the Sinclair method, you're in remission. Um, because if you do go off of the medication and drink without the medication, you will relearn the alcoholic behavior. So for the rest of your life, if you choose to drink, you must take a naltrexone one hour before you have a drink every time you drink. Now, mind you, you might just go completely sober because you do lose the desire to drink. So that could happen too. But, but as long as you are on this, you have to stay on it, much like uh, you know, a, a diabetic takes their insulin for the rest of their life. That's just the way it is. Um, but I, I think the, the one thing that, you know, and, and believe me, from, from your parents, and, and I hear this from kids all the time, if I just would have known my brother wouldn't have died or my mother or this, and it is a pity. And what, what makes me very angry is that it's been FDA approved since 1994. It has been available and accessible. It's just that people are never told about it. I went to rehab. I just had a friend who got out of rehab. Nobody mentioned once to them, oh, by the way, you could be taking naltrexone. You know, it, it's, it, that makes me angry. And the reason why they do it is because you can't make money off of it. The more you take the naltrexone, the less you need the naltrexone. So the pharma companies aren't going to make any money off the drug, right? So also, you can do it at home. You don't need to go to counseling. They've proven with clinical trials that it's still 78 to 80% across the board, whether you get therapy or not. The pill does the work. So it's going to cut into that. And you have to realize that the rehab industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. Right. And it's, it's not something that is generally done to just, you know, jump up and say, oh, by the way... Um, we have this thing that will make us totally, you know, unnecessary. Why don't you try that? Yeah. Uh, you know, without any need for a corporate mentality, it's just a sur almost survival instinct sort of thing people do. But it's also um, counterintuitive to tell an alcoholic to drink. Let's face it; it's very counterintuitive. To it, it is. It, 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 but but the but the bottom line is, these are people that have tried everything else. They can't just stop drinking. Most people, and even when, when we interviewed people at a rehab place, their relapse rate, they will admit to, is 50% of the people relapse. That's what they admit to. So the reality is, is that most people in AA meetings are newbies. 
most people relapse. Ninety-five percent of people relapse. You know, so so these are people that are already actively drinking. I'm not telling somebody with well, and, of sobriety to go go on the Sinclair method. I'm telling people who are actively drinking to go on the Sinclair method. Right, because it even at AA meetings, yeah, I've been to more than my share, and and they would say they would ask if you've relapsed, and if you said no, they'd say, well, you're going to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, it, that's encouraging. Yeah. But it is the truth yeah. of the method. It's your fault. It, it, and then they say to you, "What part did you play in your failure?" And and that that always made me angry because I don't know about you, Rick, but I have a very very strong spiritual connection to what I consider to be God. And I pray, and I've always had a very strong spiritual side to me. So why is it my failure that that these the treatments didn't work for me? You know, eventually I found something that did work for me. So maybe God led me to that, to the Sinclair method. You know, so I, I take offense to any anybody that says, you know, I failed because I didn't stay sober using your method. You know what I mean? Well, and and it, to be in a program that recognizes that self-esteem can be an issue, and then for them to just keep rolling that into your face, it never made sense to me. Never made sense to me at all. And... I was in a position where I just, I didn't, I really didn't understand. I didn't know, you know, what the hell is going on that I can't stop this. Yeah. And um, either that or I was, you know, I, I, anytime I like and all that, those things. Um, And, you know, I tell people when they ask me, how did I quit? I say, well, I died and then spent some time in intensive care in a coma and, and shouldn't be alive, according to most doctors. So it's a method, but I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work well. You're actually the, uh, you're the third person that, that, I, that I have met that, that uh, has quit alcohol because they were in a coma and almost died from it and poisoned themselves to the point one of them had organ failure. And, and he says the same thing. He said, it, it works, but I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, I, was, I was in cascade organ failure. And, um, yeah, you know, I like taking, uh, taking that method to the extreme, Rick. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so, you know, it, yeah, it's, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, the problem is once they do remain abstinent for a while, they suffer from a very real condition, which is called alcohol depriva- deprivation. And when one is suffering from that, when one relapses, it becomes worse and worse and worse. As we all know the story about the person who stays sober for eight months and then they relapse and then they stay sober for four years and relapse and die because they, they drank so much when they relapsed. People thought that that's what happened to Amy Winehouse, but I don't believe that was, I, I think it was determined that that wasn't the reason why she died. But in any event, that's the thing. They go out and they just drink so much and they drop dead. You know, yeah, I, that's what I did. That's exactly what I did. And people yeah. are like, you know, oh, so you've been drinking all this while. And I said, well, no, I had a DWI, and I really did. I held to my year. And uh, but then, if you if you pick up that drink again, it's like it's like you never stopped. Yeah. It, not only do you pick up where you left off, it's it's already worse. It's as much, if you yeah. didn't stop. That's, yeah, that's why my last <sighs> my last binge, I ended up in a detox center, literally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I um, I had uh, friends that you know found me and called an ambulance. Or wow, you know I wouldn't be here. Um, Did you have the classic NDE? Because I had a car accident when I was a teenager, and I 
I had the classical, the classic uh, near-death experience with the white light and the, all the dead people and everything. Not really. No. Uh, although it, I can't say it feels that way to me because I've never had that, but I, I say to people, I went home and took a deep breath and came back. Yeah. And because um, I was the three days of, you know, uh, when I, I would be conscious sometimes, seemingly, but it was all of my friends and even my parents were, you know, that wasn't you. It was some weirdo, you know. Yeah. And um, uh, that was a diabetic keto. It, it's something I. The problem is, too, it, it, you know, what? You were in intensive care for a week and now you're all cured up. That's not too bad. You know, but I've been having ongoing problems with, you know, the nerves. I virtually killed the nerves in my legs. Uh, they're just about fixed now. But uh, that's been a six-year ongoing thing. Wow. I'll be, uh, I'll be six years old from my second birth uh, in just a well, just about a week. Oh, and um, uh, it 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 changed a lot of other things in my life. So I'm not sure I'd go back and undo it. But boy, I wouldn't want anybody to do it. And I I just couldn't get around the you must not drink. Okay, start. It's like what? <laughs> How do I do that? And yeah. It's very hard to, you know. You know, I wouldn't be coming to you for help if I could just not take a drink. What are you talking about? And and so that to me is one of the uh, uh, fascinating and 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 workable parts of the Sinclair method is you don't you don't have to just like stop drinking and then we'll work on your stuff. Yes. Yeah. You know, here start taking this and and literally you go to extinction. Well, this is the interesting thing is a lot of, you know, just because there's, a, there's, there's every addict is different. Some people dr- uh, drink because they lost their child or they're going through a divorce. Other people drink because they're genetically predisposed to drink and it's become a physical addiction. Other people drink out of habit. You know, six o'clock, I had a rough day, let me have a glass of wine. Or they drink because they've got three kids running around giving them a headache. Whatever the reason is, everybody's different. And and that's the one thing is, is you know, they say, well, what if what if this person was raped and they need uh, therapy? That's fine. But in the meantime, do the extinction. That's what I always say to people, like the people who love the camaraderie of an AA meeting. I say, that's fine, but do the extinction first. Extinguish your cravings, extinguish, you can, extinguish your desire to drink, and then go to meetings to maintain your sobriety. You can mix the two things. That's the thing. You know, it doesn't have to be my way or the highway. You can actually use... If you like going to meetings and that's where you find your, your people and your family members, that's what you feel comfortable, then by all means. But why be craving? Why, you know, uh, I mean, look at Bill W. dying, begging for whiskey. I mean, it, who wants to be a dry drunk? And I hate that expression. But, I mean, honestly, who wants to be thinking about alcohol all the time? And with the Sinclair method, it takes away the thought process, the obsessive thought process about drinking and the resentment about having to be sober. And, you know, it's, just, it's, it's kind of a sneaky little thing because you can drink, but eventually you just don't want to drink. And I don't think people, I don't think people who've never, um, never dealt with addiction really understand how all-consuming this process is. Oh, God. Yeah. It's literally 24 hours a day. Like, there's moments where I'm really 
pissed off that I can't just have a Tylenol sure. with codeine because I know that that works to take the pain away, but I can't have it because I know that if I if I give in and have one, then I'm going to have another one, and then a week from now I'm going to be you know going oh. oh crap I've been taking them all day every day for a week now I have to stop you know I mean and it, it's really when and then when you do stop if you go through the process of hit and miss it's it's quit and start it's it's like somebody who tries to quit smoking how many times do you try to quit smoking before you actually quit it's the same thing with with alcoholism it's the same thing with any kind of addiction you go through this process and when you're not using the drug or drinking the alcohol you're thinking about it like you said it's 24 hours a day i want that pill why can't i have it this sucks it's not fair i hated being i was the most miserable sober person because even though i felt great and looked great and everything i i resented it i resented somebody saying you can never have a drink for the rest of your life i i would be sitting there cooking for dinner parties and thinking only about the fact that i couldn't drink I mean, that's no life. I would go to, I would avoid no. people socially because I didn't want to be around alcohol. I would, I would not have friends over to my house because I knew that they would want to drink. I mean, that's no life. Now I'm completely free of that. I don't sit there and drive by a billboard and see a picture of a cold beer and think, I can't have it. Damn it, damn it, damn it. I think, oh, you know what? I could have it, but I don't want it. That's the, that's the beauty of it. And that's, that's the least. That's very freeing. It's like totally that, that to me is it's very freeing and it's life changing. I mean, if I could yeah. walk into any drugstore in the world and not even think about the fact that I can't go to the counter and get my freaking Tylenol with codeine, yeah. um, you know. And I even even with regards to the alcohol, I know I come from a long line on both sides of my family, plus the environmental aspects of of my upbringing. So I'm, you know, genetically, I'm predispositioned to it. I was raised with it. I had my own addiction issues with it when I was a teenager. So I am very careful about how much I drink. But the problem is, I really love the taste of red wine. And you just can't get the taste of red wine in a non-alcoholic beverage. And to combine that with the fact that I married a Frenchman. The first time around, I married an Englishman. The second time around, I married a Frenchman. So, yeah, I'm, you know, got a little bit of warring going on over here. But um, it's because it's, they have wine with their meals, and I'm careful. I'm very careful to the point where I'll have a bottle of wine. It'll last me about a week because I mix my wine with water, and then I'll stop buying wine for, for two weeks because I'm afraid that I'm going to get but but that's no way to live either because I'm living a fear-based life because well, I'm afraid true. that I'm going to get yeah hooked you on could, my alcohol. Well, you could, you could you could you're a prime candidate for the Sinclair method, and so is a teenager that uh, has two alcoholic or one alcoholic parents that is binge drinking already. You can actually use the Sinclair method even if you are not a bona fide down the gutter alcoholic. I mean, you know, you can you can actually use the Sinclair method as a vaccine against becoming an alcoholic. You could use it to cut down on your drinking. Let's say you're unbelievably stressed out. You're going through a divorce and you're drinking two bottles of Chardonnay a night and you're gaining weight from it. I've had friends go on the Sinclair method for a couple of months just to to get them out of the uh, the habit. 
to, to stop the desire, stop the craving aspect of it, even though I know in my heart that they were not alcoholics. They were just drinking heavily for that period of time. So, you, so there's a, a myriad of ways to employ this to benefit you. And, you know, if, you have, if you're living in that sort of fear, that's ridiculous. So if, you, if you want a little vaccine, you know, vaccinate yourself. Just uh, take an altrexone before you have a drink of, of red wine next time and take it for a couple months and, and, you know, then you won't have that fear anymore. I mean, it's, it's, doing extinction is, is, is a great thing because it does get rid of that thought process. The obsessive thought process is gone. And you'll find that on your days off from drinking, when you uh, do good activities that release good endorphins, like working out, yoga, making love, playing with kids or animals, all that stuff, eating spicy food, all of those things will be 10 times as enjoyable. And you will actually uh, want to do those activities more and more often. And it, it, it really is great. I mean, I started, uh, you know, hiking and running and doing all my really good athletics when I first started the um, Sinclair Method. And I literally became addicted to hiking. You know, I mean, any mountain, anything, I would, I, I just, I, I, it, it was good. Yeah, it, well, it restores the sort of what I view as the intended purpose of endorphins. Yeah, well, it 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 it, it, it heightens that uh, that feeling, and it exactly it stops the excess of endorphins that addicts get when they engage in risky activity, whether it's gambling or drinking alcohol. Those that an, an addict's brain is simply built differently. We release way too many endorphins when we engage in that sort of activity. So this is this this actually tempers it, and like I said, it's a dual acting uh, treatment because you can you can reap the benefits of, of your days off from naltrexone and off from drinking as being sort of a, a, an even better form of, of exer- exercise and positive good stuff for your life. So I, it's all around wonderful. Yeah, I, I would have loved to have known about it when, you know, before no, I, my I, thing, because I, yeah. at the, at the end, I, didn't want to be drinking. I didn't want anybody to know I was drinking, so I only drank at home, which meant I was home a lot. Uh, yeah, me and, too. I didn't um, want to get a DUI. Yeah, because I had had one of those, and so I didn't want to have another one. Yep. And so I would get up in the morning, go to the office, and do my thing, and then I would pick up a liter of vodka and drink it. Yeah. And... Uh, People were like, "Wow, what a what a binge!" And I was like, "Yeah, no, but it was every day." Yeah. And um, and so pretty soon, you know, within months, uh, my system that I had abused off and on for my whole life finally just gave out. Sure. And um, uh, my pancreas shut down. Is what happened. But internal organs are all interrelated, and when one shuts down, the others go under stress, and so then they start. It, they go this cascade thing. And um, um, and it was you know just a miracle. I've shown my my records from the hospital to doctors, nurses, and the vast majority of them. After they look at them, they're like, "You you can't be here. What are you?" And um, I didn't view at the time that I was here to you know. Well, I'm going to go do this show to try to help people to find their passion and their joy without chemical assistance, better living through chemistry. Not always. Uh-huh. Um, not but, always. 
but a lot of people just, you know, they want to be normal again. I mean, in my 20s, in my early 30s, I never abused alcohol. I, I was a light drinker in my 20s, and then I was sort of a just social drinker. But, I mean, when I was married in my my 20s, I mean, we would get a bottle of wine and and for the weekend. I'm not kidding. And my husband weighed 225 pounds. I mean, he was a big guy. And so, you know, and we would split that bottle of wine over the course of two nights. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's, you know, and then as I got older, it just became, um, it just became more and more and more, which is, it's a progressive thing. It's a progressive learned behavior or a progressive disease, whatever you want to call alcoholism. But eventually, by the time it catches up with you, all you want is to be normal again, is to be that person that could have a glass of wine when they wanted one and stop after having a glass. And I think that's what a lot of people are confused about. When addiction sneaks up into your brain, it's that it's a very it's a very difficult thing to to understand while you're going through it. I always call it the lizard brain because it, it, it's like an alien in your body. Who's that person that gets you up in the morning and goes to buy beer at nine o'clock in the morning? I mean, that's insanity in your rational mind. But you know, it's the same thing as a kid told me that 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 she said. It wasn't me putting my fingers down my throat to throw up. It was the monster in me. And that's, you know, and that's, that's the same thing as I always called my addiction my monster. Because I, it certainly wasn't me, Claudia. You know, I, I'm a rational, disciplined person, a smart woman. Why would I be buying, you know, a grand manier at 6 in the morning to drink? You know, I mean, it was insane. Well, and I'd be, I'd be in the car on the way home from the office. And, you know, I feel great. Everything's cool. I'm not going to drink tonight. Yeah. And I would almost still be thinking that, and I'd be in the liquor store. <laughs> exactly. Or like, what? How, yeah. What? <laughs> How'd I? Oh, well, okay. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's, that, it's that addict brain that, that controls you. So, you know, that's the, that's the lovely thing about the Sinclair Method. Um, and if anybody is listening to this, by the way, I did start a, a nonprofit website. for It has tons of information about the Sinclair Method. It's called the C3 Foundation at c3foundation.org. And it's got a ton of information. Um, it's got letters for your doctor. It has testimonials. It has letters from Dr. David Sinclair, the scientist who, who discovered this treatment. Um, it's just got a lot of great information. So if you or a loved one is struggling with, with drinking, please check it out. And um, they can also contact me. There's an email address there, too. And I, I respond to everything uh, individually and privately. And um, right now I've got a lot of people on it, and I cancel them. So it's, it's, uh, it's what I'm here for, in other words. So if anybody needs help out there, um, just know that you're not alone. So speaking, speaking of um, the website and the not-for-profit, I'm, I'm curious to know, because there are, in the counseling, there are so many organizations that are out there already. We all know of them, AA, um, Al-Anon, Alateen. Are, are you able to, or are you planning to, hopefully in the future, through either the successful creation of this film, which we're going to talk about in a minute, um, or, or your work through the nonprofit to connect with these organizations and and make a connection so that they they see the value of this very viable solution um, because I would think that they would be some of the people who need to be involved with this like because it, it would it would be such such a huge help to have these huge organizations helping to promote the idea of this this solution. Well, anybody that is abstinence-based is not going to uh, is not going to want to 
uh, even hear about the Sinclair method. That's been made very clear to me. Um, they are very my way or the highway. Uh, so I wouldn't be going to the, you know, it's really sad. I wouldn't be going to, you know, rational re- recovery or practical recovery or AA or any of these places, even though they are non, um, non 12 step. A lot of these places are non 12 step. They're still strictly abstinent based. Um, what my goal is, is to have clinics much like methadone clinics, uh, available for alcoholics, okay. which is what they do in Scotland and in the UK. Is they, you know, you go in, you get your medication, and you check in. And uh, if it's working for you, you continue to go back um, and get your medication every month. Um, and it's that simple. Maybe have one counselor there to talk to people. I always tell people, look, it's, it, with this particular treatment, it's so easy. You keep a drinking diary, and you take your pill an hour before you drink. That's it. Uh, that, that, those are the only things that you know. There's a golden rule. Take your medication an hour before you have a drink, the first drink of the day. Um, you know, so my dream would be to go into these third world countries where they did the clinical trials and had massive su- success, such as India or South Africa. Go in there with a with a, a, a tremendous amount of medication sponsored by a Bill Gates or somebody. Open up a clinic and have a million tablets there for these people. Because what happened with the clinical trials in places like India is once they left with the funding for the medication, the people are not able to afford the pill. Even if it's only 30 cents a day, they only make a dollar a day. They can't afford a 30 right. cent pill. So they had a choice. Do I either feed my family or do I take my alcohol pill? Well, I'm going to feed my family. And then they relapse back into drinking without medication. So the whole point here is, is that money to buy the medication, to buy the pills would, would help tremendously. And to be able to, you know, it's like what they're doing right now in, in Australia. Uh, I don't want to get into a political conversation, but they're, you know, doing forced rehab to uh, aborigines and taking them literally off the streets, the alcoholics, and throwing them into mandatory um, uh, rehab, which is, to me, it's like, what what are you going to do when they get out? Who's going to, you know, they're going to relapse. They're going to start drinking again. You're not fixing the problem. What you're doing is you're locking them away in a place where they can't get any alcohol. Well, that's fine. But once you leave that environment, even if you have the psychological tools to try and fend off and try and stay sober, you still have the physiological addiction. You're not dealing with the cravings, the addiction. All that stuff is still there. Your brain is still the brain of an alcoholic. And until you change that, you can't move forward. And that's my belief. And now, you know, I can argue till the cows come home about it. Um, but the nice thing is, like I just did Larry King uh, with Meredith Baxter, who's AA, and a couple of doctors who are open to these ideas. And what people are realizing now is because every addict is different, is we need different options. Options save lives. That's just the point. Is, is That was the whole point of my foundation. I'm not telling people to not go to an AA meeting. I'm not telling you that hypnotism won't work for you. I'm telling you that if those things didn't work for you, why not try the Sinclair method? If you're still drinking and alcohol is still ruling your life, then why not try the Sinclair method? And that's all I'm saying. I'm not, it's not my way or the highway, nothing like that. I just want this option to be known and available to alcoholics and their families. And, and how many alcoholics are out there that are taking a couple of aspirin or Tylenol or something an hour before they drink or some other herbal hangover cure? Yeah. Well, they can just add this pill in their hand and go on about your business. That's the thing that is so attractive about it to me is those nights when I, man, I don't want to drink. I could have taken that pill before I left the office. Yeah. Exactly. And it wouldn't have mattered whether I wound up in the liquor store or not on my way home. Because you would have stopped after having one vodka. You would have yeah. 
looked at the bottle and you would have, if you would have taken that pill and gone home and taken a shot of vodka, you would have said, you know what? That shot was enough and that bottle would still be sitting there. You wouldn't drink the whole bottle. That's, that's the beauty of it. And, you know, it, 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 it also goes, it, it just goes back to, there are 70, 80,000 people dying in the U.S. alone, two and a half million worldwide. The out, you know, and what you what what their options are from the 1930s, really. That's what everyone is is, is given the option to go to a meeting or go to rehab. Um, it's not working. The alcohol problem is getting worse and worse and worse in many countries. As a matter of fact, there's now um, I think oh God, what country was it? Was it Poland that is now paying um, workers, street workers, uh, that clean up the streets in beer? Uh, they're, uh, they're paying alcoholics in beer, and they're doing this because they're saying, well, the alcoholics want to drink, and they're going to be alcoholics anyway, so why not put them to work? It makes them feel and, good about themselves, and they pay them in beer. And my thought is, that's terrific, but make them take an naltrexone before they give them the beer. So now you're doing two things at once. You're getting your streets cleaned, and you're curing alcoholism. I mean, it's not, you know, there's so many ways to slip this in. It's also like the, the penal society. I mean, you, I'm talking to a judge on Friday, and you know, she utilized naltrexone in her work. She said, you know, a criminal is different there. You've got addicts and you've got criminals. You know, not every criminal is an addict and vice versa. So why not fix the addiction instead of just locking you in a place, having you suffer from alcohol deprivation and then yeah. back out to society again? You know, it just that's, that's actually a huge one, Claudia. Cause my husband now is an ex-addict who actually went to jail for, for selling mm-hmm. and I've written about some of the things that he's told me about the system, whereas there is literally no help for these guys. Mm-hmm. There's no help for them. There's no support. And Even if they, they get into, they get arrested, they get thrown in jail, they have access to drugs and alcohol yeah. in jail. If they have the right connections, you can still get your drugs and alcohol, but there's no there's no help. No. There's no. There's no help. There's no and emotional it, it, support yeah. for their their, but, you their, know, their they, need they, they, to get sober. It's not just it's not just, you know, emotional and I'll get you know, this is one thing that, that, that really bothered me was I did two and a half years of psychotherapy thinking that, you know, because everybody thought, oh, she must be drinking because her brother died or because she was raped or because whatever, whatever. No, that's a bunch of BS. I wasn't drinking because I had a, some trauma in my childhood. I was drinking because I became physically addicted to it. And that's the thing is, if you are physically addicted, there's people that have eight DUIs that are spending the rest of their life in prison without parole in Texas right now. Now, why didn't somebody say after the third DUI, put them on this bloody Sinclair method? Don't keep throwing them in jail and then throw away the key. That's not going to help anything. You know, I mean, it's, it's well, not... And, 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 and it, the you know, cost, you know, you talk about, and we can talk about the emotional cost and the lock them up. The cost. Oh, it's billions. The dollar cost to the, you know, the, the, the government. And the most, it's the most costly disease or problem in so many countries is alcoholism. When you add up the work, the lost work days, the accidents, insurance costs, medical costs, all of that, especially for end-of-life or alcoholics, they are some of the most costliest uh, medical issues. Those, those things are costing oh, yeah. billions of dollars a year. So any, if I was a prime minister or president of some country, I would say, you know what, let's put some money behind this because it actually, imagine if you could eradicate 80% of alcoholism. You know, two, two DWIs, but certainly three. Three strikes, you're, you're out? No, three strikes, you're going to extinction. 
Yeah. That's just it. Exactly. And because I know it was certainly true for me, and I know from friends that I had back then that it was true for them, that if they could do this and knew that this was an option, they would be lined up around the block. Because it, it is not the case that every alcoholic, and perhaps none of them, but certainly not me or a lot of my friends, you, you, you don't want to do it. You get to a point where you know, you know, I got to, I don't, this is, I'm out of control. This is nuts. This is, this is, you know, like you said, I'm buying beer at 6 a.m. This is nuts. Yeah. You know? And then this way you, you, you not only have your dignity and your privacy if you want it, but like I said before, and as, as we were talking about, the, 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 the craving and the thoughts are gone. And that's the beauty of it, you know, and, and I, I, that's why I, I always see, you know, there's so many people that have maintained a, a modicum of sobriety, let's say for six or seven months, but all they do is think about the fact that they're sober. You know, right. they become either addicted to meetings or they become addicted to their sober pals or the this, that, but it's always talking about alcohol. I don't talk about alcohol anymore. I don't spend my days talking. I don't stand up and go, I'm Claudia. I'm an, you know, I just, hey, I had an alcohol problem and now I don't. You know, and, and, and isn't that wonderful? It's like it's like having a broken leg and then it heals. Okay, great. And it, you know, the the analogy I love, and I've and I've I have said this before, but when people get all on their high horse and they say, well, you're not doing the work. You know, if you're an addict, you have to do the work to to overcome it emotionally. Because mm-hmm. it's reason why you're an addict. Yeah, you choose to be an addict. You're cho- choosing to be an addict. And I say to them this, you know, Dr. Escapa, who wrote the Cure, said, well. I'd rather take a light plane up to the Himalayas. You can hike. Go for it. You know, and, and that's the way with the Sinclair method. But my analogy is this. If you've got a brother and a sister and they're both morbidly obese and your sister goes on Jenny Craig and loses the weight and your brother gets a lap band, do you care how they lost the weight or do you care that they're both ha- healthy and happy? I mean, really. Well, and we talk often on this show about, quote, doing the work and but we're talking about it because we think that the results of that work is is beneficial and 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 wonderful and uh, it, it, but that's the thing is this is not there is the physiological a physical component yeah. that just has to be dealt with yeah and like i said you can you can spin the wheel on that pistol uh throw the dice and see whether you survive like i did or you can do the Sinclair method. Well, yeah. Somehow that's... you've got to, your brain has to rewire. Yeah. And, and because it, it literally is that. And there's yeah. a, a commercial some people may have seen. It was for one of the stop smoking methods here in the, uh, one of the prescriptions. But they were talking about that as you have this nicotine addiction, your brain literally produced, grows more and more nicotine receptors. Mm-hmm. So, when you stop, you don't just have a normal person's nicotine receptors yeah. to deny. You have hundreds of times as many. Sure. And they're there, and they're hungry, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's the same thing with the oh. endorphin pathway with, with alcohol. It just is. And, and, you know, and, and it, I heard from a, a fellow recently who said to me, he said, you know, I have a great life. 
I have a wonderful wife. I've got great kids. I have a job I adore. I've got a wonderful family. I don't have any issues. I'm not drinking because I'm miserable or because I, daddy didn't love me. He said, I'm drinking because I can't stop. And once I have one, I can't stop. I'm physically, I, I, I just can't stop. I'm an addict. And that's what I'm dealing with right now. For people who have that physical addiction, that physiological makeup, that genetic makeup, that, that's who responds the best to it. And it's interesting because people with alcoholism in their family react better uh, to the Sinclair method. In, in other words, people who are genetically, obviously, um, but, but very close, like close family, like parents or uncles or aunts and stuff like that, um, they seem to be the most successful. Women do very well on the Sinclair method as well. Most people do. It's just there's a very small percentage of people who don't comply, meaning they don't take the pill correctly, and a very, very, very small percentage of people who just genetically don't react to naltrexone. But that's a very, very small percentage. So all in all, it's a wonderful um, option for people who have tried other, other treatments and they haven't worked. And um, like I said, it's inexpensive, non-addictive, uh, and the side effects are very few. So, I just, I just, I'm really excited about this because alcoholism is such a weird social enigma. We have this this issue that people have this huge judgment around alcoholism, yet as you said, it sneaks up on you because go to any major function and there's always going to be alcohol you go out to dinner and it's just normal that you have a glass of wine with dinner in, in most social circles you know it's just it's there it's part of our society and it is what it is so this idea of removing it completely in order to heal yourself from the addiction is is almost ridiculous to me because how do you do that without taking yourself completely away from society and oh. how can you heal yourself as a human being by removing yourself from society as a whole so exactly. this this idea of being able to take a pill and have that drink with dinner yeah. and not feel guilty about it but not need the next one that's to me a miracle i know that i have a i have a girlfriend who's got 20 years sobriety and let me tell you something she has no life because she's petrified to go to a restaurant to a bar, to a party, New Year's Eve party, a birthday party, anything. She won't go because they, there will be alcohol there. So she's sequestered herself in this tiny little prison of sobriety. And that's what I say. It's like, it's, you know, I remember the first time I went to Italy after being on the Sinclair Method for a year. And I thought, you know what? Italy, the land of red wine. I was a wino when I was an alcoholic. I, that's what I drank was red wine. And I thought... You know, I, 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 I'm really nervous. I was nervous because I was doing so well. I was hardly drinking at all. But I thought, you know, it's such a way of life there. And I went and everybody was drinking all day long, but I wouldn't drink until the evening. And for three weeks, I would take my pill at night and I would have a couple glasses of red wine. And let me tell you something. It was the most liberating, freeing feeling in the world. I could enjoy good food. I could enjoy a glass of wine and I didn't have any guilt. I didn't relapse. I didn't go into a binge. It didn't, it didn't, you know, I didn't get sloppy. I didn't get drunk. I could remember the whole trip. It was glorious. It was, that's what I wanted. I wanted to be normal again. And the fact that I've got to take a pill, fine, I could deal with that. But that was what I was missing. I was, I was, I was missing the feeling of just being normal again. And that, that's the beauty of this. It, it really, it gives you back your freedom, your freedom to make choices, your freedom to, to uh, entertain, your freedom to hang out with other people who drink and not be petrified and scared. 
you know, I call it my little uh, my little magic thing. You know, it's like you carry it with you like it's your protector, you know, and it, it really is. Yeah, it's uh, this is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I could not. I had a horrible time dealing with the idea of 12-step programs and, and that I was broken, that there was something wrong with me. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. That wasn't wrong with everybody else and wasn't something that, you know, I mean, everybody gets the flu and they get over it. But mm-hmm. I was broken. I was not made right or something or evil or, you know, and it, it that just never computed. I wanted to rebel against that. And I think that it's natural that people would rebel against that because it's not, it's not true. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's not that you're... You don't have the willpower, you know, your friend, your friend that has the wonderful life. And yeah. I knew lots of people that had, the, you know, everything seemed roses, except when we got together at the bar, <laughs> you know. I mean, I, 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 have, I have an incredibly blessed life. I, I mean, why was I drinking to excess? Why was I hurting myself? I love life. I don't want to die. Why would I drink till I got sick? Why would I do that to myself? If it wasn't a physical addiction, if it wasn't a compulsion that I couldn't control, there's no rhyme or reason. I have parents who love me. I've got a wonderful man in my life. I mean, I had, you know, everything going for me. So successful career and, you know, successful career. Uh, you know, I'm healthy. I'm smart. I mean, you know, so, so it didn't make any sense. And that's why people who have never been addicted to anything don't understand. You know, there's an interesting story about my father who's now 80. He's actually in my documentary and, um, he recounts the story in my documentary about how he never understood how his kids, two of them, could be addicts. And, you know, he just thought it was a, a, a weakness, a moral weakness. Like, you know, come on, just don't drink. Put the bottle down. You can stop. You know, he just didn't get it until he got cancer of the retina and they gave him morphine drops. And he, mm-hmm. yeah, after they took the tumor out behind his retina, they radiated him and the pain was so unbearable that they gave him these drops. And he became addicted to them instantaneously. And he said for the first time in his life, he completely understood what addiction is. He couldn't stop thinking about them. He couldn't stop crying for the, pill, for the drops. He couldn't stop screaming at the doctor, give me more, give me more. He said, I didn't even recognize the man screaming at the doctor. I mean, he said, who the hell was this weirdo screaming at the doctor, give me more drops? And I said, now you know what it feels like. And, it, and, and he, he gets it now. He gets it. That's the monster. That's you the know. monster. Yeah. We tell our children there's no monsters under the bed. Well, no. but there's some monsters in the bottle. Yeah. Because there are. or or it restrains your brain and your your inner monster comes out. I don't know, but it is just. It's horrible. It's the worst. It, you know, it's the phoenix rising. You have to, you know, Rick. You came through it, and you you obviously you know you've got your whole life back and you saw death and you walked through that door and you were saved for a reason. And, you know, I believe that, that, that happens to, to us. We're tested and things happen and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take away the five years that I struggled with alcoholism for anything because I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. And I'm, and it's exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And if I had not suffered, I wouldn't be able to help people today. I really believe that. And I do too. I, Agree with you completely. I could not agree more. Every single thing I've ever been through is a blessing because yep. I can take that journey and those stories and I can share them 
through my writing and through the radio show and hopefully inspire, uplift, and, and just help others just, yep. by, just by sharing my own moments of doubt and fear and, and what we term as weakness. Um, yep. you know, but it's not, it's just humanity. That's all it is. It's just being human. You're there's human not, stuff. I don't think, exactly. Yeah, there's not a person on this planet who's, who's not suffered fear, who's not suffered doubt, who's not felt weak, who's not felt afraid, who's not felt pain, sorrow, um, anger, and, and who, who's not been in need of something, be it a substance or a, I think on some level, every single human being has an addiction of some kind. Sure. And if we could just face that and, and look at it for what it is, it's part of being human. But the best part about being human is that you have a choice. And because of people like you who are out there talking about these issues and, and bringing these solutions to the forefront so that people know that they're there, I mean, that's, that's I that other say, end of being human. I can save people a lot of time and energy and, and wasted years. And that's, that's what I'm, I want. I want to save people the time and the years that I lost because nobody told me about the Sinclair method when I needed it the most, you know, and, and if I can help, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I'm sure you've experienced it too. When you wake up and there's an email from somebody saying, well, I heard you on the radio. I tried it. I've been on it three months. You saved my life. I mean, uh, you know, when that happens, it's, it, it makes you just want to do this every single day. And, and yeah. it's the most gratifying feeling in the world. Oh, it is. And, um, and again, uh, appreciation and, uh, and thanks for the fact that you're doing what you're doing. Because, uh, Thank you. And, and I'm very excited. We've got 12 more days of uh, fundraising for my film on Indiegogo, by the way. I'm going to plug that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you do. How is that going? It's, uh, it's, Last on, time I- it's called One Little Pill, and um, we're just past $29,000. We're trying to get to forty. we We've got 12 more days. Um, that's for the post-production for the editor and everything. Uh, we will be done filming by the end of the year and we'll be done with everything by mid-March. And we're trying to sell it to television first because I think that's where more people will be able to see it. And eventually I'd like to provide it on the internet and to doctors and medical practitioners and to everybody for free. Um, that's the goal. It's like to see it in colleges. That's what I'd like to see colleges and universities and even high schools. You know, it's interesting. I, I, t- I spoke to a young man who was in medical school, and he said, you know, we're not given any any instruction to, for, for addiction. Well, I mean, he, said, he said, I think we covered addiction in, in a day. And he said, you know, I, I'm in medical school. I should have heard about this. And when I went to my doctor and I said, can I get a prescription for naltrexone? This was uh, five, almost five years ago now. And he had to look it up in his little black medical book. And he didn't want to prescribe it to me because he, he had never heard of it. He had never known about this thing. And I'm thinking it's all about educating people. Everything is about educating people. So if that's the whole, the whole reason to stand on top of the mountain and scream about it. I'm not trying to shove anything down anybody's throat. I'm not making any money doing this. I want people to be educated, to know that there's another option out there, that you don't have to suffer. You don't have to die. You don't have to end up in a detox center. You, don't, you, know, you can detox at home. You can, you know, it's just, they're, they're just, there's got to be a way to get the information out to people so that eventually it'll be, uh, you know, my dream is to be in a, in a restaurant someday and have somebody say, you know, hey, do you have an extra naltrexone? I'm on the Sinclair method. 
you know, I forgot mine. You know, I mean, that, that, that that'd be, be cool. Yeah, I mean, that, that it would be, I, I actually, I was, I was relaying this story. I was having a dinner party um, a couple months ago, and my girlfriend came into my kitchen as I was cooking, and she said, do you have an extra pill? Because I, I forgot mine, and I think I do want to have a drink. And I thought, wow, it just sounded so normal. You know, and I said, yeah, they're in the cabinet right there. And, the, you know, there's some in the kitchen. And she took a pill and an hour later she had a drink with, with some people that were there. And that was it. One drink. She had one drink and she felt happy that she could. You know, and I just thought, wow, that, that was very normal. That was very nice, you know. So. Oh, that's. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. And it's also the holiday. It's so exciting. And it's, and it's people are going to be, uh, a lot of people are very frightened of the holidays because they feel like they're going to fall off the wagon or they're going to drink too much. So once again, if, if you or anybody you love has an issue with drinking, just go to c3foundation.org and, and check it out. Um, you know, and, and there's, there's help right there. And it's really easy, easy treatment to get on. So. It, it's, it's the so, thing. And I mean, not to mention the, the, um, truck driver or pilot for heaven's oh. sakes that they can't you can't really go you can't be a pilot and go to your you know no, health exactly. insurance and say i yeah. need to do something about alcoholism without like, being suspended that's the thing is so you can go order your naltrexone or nalmethine online pretty much anywhere in the world i know in spain you can buy it over the counter in a drugstore you can go go to a drugstore and buy it uh same thing in prague um you know, uh, so you get your naltrexone however you can get it. Um, most of the time in America, they prescribe it for cravings, and it is FDA approved, like I said, since the early 90s. So you would go to your doctor and say, I'd like a prescription for naltrexone. It really helps me with my cravings. And then they'll, they're going to tell you to take it every day, but ignore that and take it an hour before you drink, only when you drink. And that's the way you do it. I mean, it's, you know, and someday we won't all have to, you know, order it online and hide. Hopefully they'll be places where you can get it and talk to people about it and it'll be out in the open. Absolutely. I have big dreams though, guys. I want to, I want to get a clinic started for the native Americans and for the Canadian Indians and for, you know, indigenous folk all over the place that have massive alcohol problems. You know, I want to get a place started up in India where alcoholism is rampant. It's killing as many people as HIV in Africa. Alcoholism is, you know, so it's oh, yeah. well, I have to say, I, I did I, not know that. I'm just back from Costa Rica. I've been down there six months, uh, five months, six months, and there's more so with the expat community, mm-hmm. the, the U.S. folks I knew down there, but also among the Costa Ricans. It there's nothing to do. Yeah, they drink. They yeah. look at you and say, "There's nothing to do." I can see why people drink down here. Well, that's not all it. That it's not, and, and the poor Native Americans that hadn't been exposed to the alcohol, all of them that were genetically predisposed, all of a sudden got some fire water, and oh wow, look what happened! Mm-hmm. It 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 is. I mean, when I learned that there were neural pathway involvement, I guess you would you could call it in in why this is doing what it's doing, you know. That's, that's so different than there's something wrong with you. 
Yeah, I, no, exactly, exactly. When you when you look at the, the little drawing of the brain and when alcohol is exposed to it and you look at the little opiate receptors and the neuropathways and the endorphins and you look at drawings and, and what's really great right now is they're doing um, MRIs of people on the Sinclair method so they can actually track the brain scans uh, before treatment, during treatment, and after treatment. So that's going to be a really interesting study. They're doing that in the UK right now. So, you know, when you look at it from a scientific point of view and a medical perspective, that really puts things, um, in, I think, in, in a much better view than saying it's something that's moral or it's an emotional issue. When you look at it physiologically and, and you find something that can work to undo it, then, then that makes sense. It makes sense uh, to try and it makes sense to, um, to utilize. Yeah, it almost takes it from some psychological malady, which pe- still has some stigma, stigma with people, or uh, moral weakness. To you know, it's a you got a thing going on inside. Yeah, and this will fix it. Yeah, and so it's not like anymore. You know, some of these other treatment methods. I'm for me. I'm not. I, yeah, I, they work great for some people, and I I love that. I'm all for it, but. But for me, these other treatment methods were like, you know, you break your leg, and so they just say, okay, well, no more walking for you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Can't and have that. Some, some, people, some people want uh, more than a Band-Aid and more than a temporary fix, and that's, you know, that's what the nice thing about this is. It's, you know, you, you, can, you can choose to be in remission for the rest of your life, uh, and it's a wonderful feeling. So I'm hoping that... Um, I'm hoping that the film, uh, you know, reaches a lot of people and, and helps educate people. And I'm hoping that people go to the C3 Foundation to learn more about it. And also just, you know, in a party situation or I, I bring it up everywhere. I always say to people, have you ever heard of the Sinclair method? You know, I must sound like a broken record. But the only way to do it is to talk about it, and, you know, to go on radio shows and blogs and, and just keep talking about it. Because you're going to reach somebody eventually who needs to hear about it. That's the beauty about it. I can tell you, I'm going to be talking about it everywhere I go. I'm thrilled. And, uh, and because I have friends and relatives that, you know, yeah, I have a, I have a cousin. You know, I, cousin I want to send them links to your stuff so that like, they have right this option. And yeah. So yeah. We want, we want all, everybody listening to do that same thing because I bet you know somebody. I bet you know more than everybody, one. Somebody. Everybody knows it's somebody who's abusing and, alcohol. And I have a cousin. Uh, he's seventy years. He's probably seventy years old now, and uh, certainly in his late sixties. And he's not a drinker, but he his father was really bad, and so he's lived his whole life in fear that if he takes a drink, he's going to turn into his dad. Hmm. He it runs through his mind all the time. Every time somebody's drinking around him or offers him a drink, or he lives he's lived seventy years living in fear of that. Yeah, I some naltrexone could could help somebody like that as well to know that look. You're yeah, pretty, the next oh, thing is, is yeah, even if you're just living in fear, it can get rid of any of that thought process. That stuff. Um, yeah, so if anybody's feeling Christmas-like out there, um, <laughs> go to Indiegogo and look for one little pill. And uh, if everybody throws in a dollar, I could get this film made and finished. <laughs> yeah, like right right now. So uh, yeah, I've got 12 more days left in that. Uh, you know, C3 Foundation also has a donate button, but uh, mostly I just I want to get it finished and I want to get it on TV to help and reach more people. Um, and it's exciting. 
But uh, all of the information on C3 is downloadable. There's PDFs and all sorts of things uh, that you could bring to your doctor, and there's little videos to watch, and uh, it's all free and available to people. So, um, And also there's a direct email address to me if anybody has any questions uh, that they want to ask privately about the Sinclair method. Um, I'm happy to help. I even Skype with people all the time just because uh, uh, you know, I like to help people. So most important thing is to know that you're not alone. You're not alone, and and there's this crazy actress in L.A. who wants to help you. <laughs> That's right. You know. There's this, there's this really, really nice lady who sits around and has no social life because she talks to alcoholics all day long. <laughs> but you know what? I do it by choice. It makes me happy, so... Well, I, think, I think that's a pretty good social life to have there, sweetie. You're changing uh, a lot of lives, saving a lot of lives, and you know, coming from coming from having grown up in an alcohol alcoholic's home, if you even save one child from that, just one, that's oh, so worth it. Oh, totally. So that's worth it. it. Those are the most the most painful things I ever see are the children of alcoholics because they always think that mommy or daddy chose the bottle over them. They don't understand that it's not no, mommy or d- daddy no. choosing the bottle over them. It's an addiction. And it's so sad because they really do. They think, oh, they, they love the alcohol more than they love me. And that's a feeling that they never get rid of. It's such a horrible, horrible thing. Now, I, 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 have, I have three kids now that, that they contact me all the time because their parents went on the Sinclair Method, and they are just, their lives are totally changed for the better. Their parents are present. Their parents are, are active. Their parents are, are parents, finally. So uh, it's, it's thrilling. Every day it gets more and more thrilling. So awesome. yeah. yeah. It's exciting. Thanks for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Well, listen, thanks, thanks for coming. Thanks for sharing your time, talent, and treasure with the world. That's Uh-oh. that's what we specialize in at Everyday Connection, and uh, uh, it it's an important message that you know. I wouldn't trade my experience because I use it. That's my fuel for what I do now. But boy, I'd sure love for some other people to not have to go through it because, it, let's face it, the statistics: most people that go through what I went through die. Yeah, exactly. Well, you you brought back for a reason. So we're certainly going to be spreading the word. I want everybody to be spreading it. Again, it's at c3foundation.org. That's um, C and 3 is spelled out. Um, And... um, uh, Where's where's my other one? Yeah, the the three is the three is spelled out. Well, I was looking for the I was looking for the uh, yeah, it's www.c like the letter c and then three is spelled out foundation.org, uh, and then there's um the one little pill is on Indiegogo, but you can also just go to the C3 Foundation and either donate there or just find information for uh, yourself or your loved one that's struggling yeah. with alcoholism. Tremendous amount of uh, information here under the. Frequently asked questions slash resources. Amazing yeah, stuff. There and um, if anybody can also always reach me at Claudia at BabylonConfidential.com. Um, that is my the email address that comes directly to me, and I answer all my emails uh, personally. And um, and you know I love to help people. So <laughs> so anyway, thank you. Wonderful. Very- 
Wonderful and stuff. And she does. I got to put it out there. She does, as a radio show host who has who has dealt with the, the mailman multiple times. Claudia does answer her emails personally. It's amazing and awesome. Yes, because I'm an email <laughs> addict. <laughs> it's, really, it's really her. I transfer my my addiction to alcohol to my addiction to email. I know I'm such a junkie. No, but I. You know what? I I do. I I. I I do. People never believe me when I'm saying, oh, well, let me Skype with you. And they're saying, wait a minute, you're going to Skype with me. I'm a stranger. I'm like, yeah, of course, I'm going to help you. I mean, that's what I'm here for. I, I'm telling you, this is, my, uh, this is my life now. So absolutely, nobody should be hesitate, hesitant or shy about contacting me directly. That's what I'm here for. You're just such an amazing, awesome, grounded individual. And, and again, like, thank you so much for everything that you've done and everything that you are doing and everything that you're going to be doing. This well, is thank you both for sharing your story. Groundbreaking, life-changing stuff. Yep, I hope to help a lot of people, and, and you guys keep, keep uh, doing what you're doing. It's wonderful that you're honest about your own personal struggles, and, and the more we talk about it, the more people will reach and will make comfortable. So... I'm thrilled to have met you. No, it's awesome. It's been wonderful. And uh, do stop Absolutely. by our website. We answer our email, too, no. um, yes, at everydayconnection.me, because it's all about me, whichever me is reading it. And um, uh, join us again next time for amazing conversations uh, and, uh, and share this one with your friends and family, will you? It'll do a lot of good. So join us again next time. But until then, to our mother, to each other, and especially to yourselves, stay connected. Good night, everybody. Join Jane and Rick again next time. Until then... Visit their website at everydayconnection.me and subscribe for news and updates. Stop by their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection and join the conversation. You can also subscribe on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection. question of your life the only question before that question how do you find the perfect ring to ask it with with the incredible selection of diamonds at jared and our price match guarantee you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love visit your local jared store today and dare to be devoted we promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer see jared.com slash price match for details So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, 
you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.